We're going to be in uh, 1 Samuel chapter number 18. If you take your Bibles and stand in honor of God's Word here tonight, 1 Samuel and chapter number 18. 1 Samuel 18. We've been in a series here in the book of Samuel, and uh, so this is uh, sermon number 34. So we're making our way through uh, the life of Samuel and, and Saul, and then also now David really is where we are at this transitional point. And the series title is uh, When a Nation Needs Revival. When a Nation Needs Revival. We've been seeing some, some insights, some, really some practical insights uh, that we can take with us every day, but when a nation needs revival, and I know we're all in agreement here today that our nation does indeed need a deep cleansing, a deep revival, and that, that's only going to come as the people of God draw close to God and get right with God, so that's why we're giving attention to it here. So 1 Samuel 8, 18, and uh, let's begin our reading in verse number 12. Our text is going to begin in verse number 17, but verse 12 will help us to get a little bit of the context as we get into it here this evening. It says, and Saul was afraid of David. Can you imagine that? Saul was afraid of David. Why? Because the Lord was with him. Why would you be afraid of someone who, with whom the Lord is? Um, here's why. The last part of verse 12, and was departed from Saul. Therefore, Saul removed him from him and made him his captain over a thousand, and he went out and came in before the people. And David behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Verse number 15, wherefore, when Saul saw that he behaved himself very wisely, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. And Saul said to David, Behold, my elder daughter Merab, her will I give thee to wife. Only be thou valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles. For Saul said, Let not mine hand be upon him, but let the hand of the Philistines be upon him. And David said unto Saul, Who am I, and what is my life, or my father's family in Israel, that I should be son-in-law to the king? But it came to pass at the time when Merab, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, that she was given unto Adriel, the Maholothite, to wife. And Michael, Saul's daughter, loved David. And they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. And Saul said, I will, please notice this verse here. I'm, I'm at verse 21. I will give him her that she may be a snare to him, that she should be a snare to him, and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Wherefore Saul said to David, Thou shalt this day be my son-in-law, in the one of the twain. And Saul commanded his servant, saying, Commune with, with David secretly, and say, Behold, the king hath delight in thee, and all his... Well, that wasn't true, was it? The king hath delight in thee, and all his servants love thee. Now, therefore, be the king's son-in-law, 
And Saul's servants spake those words in the ears of David. And David said, Seemeth it to you a light thing to be a king's son-in-law? Seeing I am a poor man and lightly esteemed. And Saul's and the servants of Saul told him, saying, On this manner spake David. And Saul said, Thus shall you say to David, The king desireth not any dowry, but a hundred foreskins of the Philistines, to be avenged of the king's enemies. But, here it is again, everybody seeing this? Anybody believe in this? It's crazy, isn't it? I mean, here's a man that only wanted to do him good, and he's treating him so bad. Okay, uh, so let's pick it up there, latter part of verse 25. But David thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. And when his servants told David these words, it pleased David well to be the king's son-in-law, and the days were not expired. Wherefore, David arose and went, he and his men, and slew the Philistines, 200 men. Saul wanted 100, he slew 200. That's awesome. All right. And David brought their foreskins, and they gave them in full tale to the king, that he might be the king's son-in-law, and Saul gave him Michael, his daughter, to wife. Look at verse 28. And Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David, and that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him. Verse 29. And Saul was yet the more afraid of David. And Saul became David's enemy continually. Then the princes of the Philistines went forth and it came to pass after they went forth that David behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul. Notice the result. Remember what Saul was trying to do, trying to eliminate David? Look at the result. So that his name was much set by. <laughs> In other words, he's well respected. When a nation needs revival, I realize this is a unique text uh, to use uh, perhaps, or maybe it, maybe it is obvious that we'd use it here on a Welcome Heartland Sunday. And as I mentioned this morning, in case uh, many of you in different places, we're making a lot of application here today to the students, trying to be a help to them, part of their getting into school and going. I think you understand that. But I do believe that you'll find ample application to your life as well because we deal with a lot of those same exact things. No doubt about it. So it may not, you know... Well, if you were preaching a Welcome Heartland Sunday, you might not just choose this text just out of the blue, but it is where we are in our series. And as I thought about it, I realized, oh my word. Well, no, not my word. It's God's word. <laughs> this is exactly what we need to consider here tonight. In fact, what Miss Julia sang a moment ago really does play into the message here in just a few moments as we get into it. So I'm going to trust that God would bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Let's consider this title tonight, The Best Way to Begin Since an Enemy Seeks Your Premature End. The best way to begin, the best way to start, the best way to begin, since there is an enemy that seeks your end or seeks your demise. He seeks to bring your life to an end before it ever gets started. Did you get the title? Not, not all of that was the title, but the best way to begin since an enemy seeks your premature end. 
I guess it was just about uh, three weeks ago or so, we were uh, meeting with the students from here that were going into their first year here at, at Heartland Baptist Bible College from Southwest. And, and, um, and there's a book that Brother Ryan Rich wrote. He pastors in Temecula, California, and it was a graduate from here, pastors Calvary Baptist Church there. But he wrote a book uh, called uh, Preparing for Bible College, and it's a really good and helpful book. I'd encourage everybody, especially those that are going to college, really any, any college to really give consideration to. He talks about the benefits of, of Bible college. He talks about some of the cautions of Bible college. He talks about, you know, how that some will come here and it'll feel like the, the strictest and most highest uh, rules they've ever had in their life and others are going to come here and it's going to be freedom. I mean, it's going to be just amazing, you know, how much freedom they have. Uh, he said that, uh, as he came, you know, to Bible college here that, I mean, he loved oatmeal cream pies. I mean, I, absolutely, for good reason, you know, just wonderful uh, dessert in a box. I mean, just the oatmeal cream pies, you know, and, and, um, and so anyways, he loved those. And he said, you know, when I get to Bible college, mom's not going to be around. I'm going to eat as many as I want to. And I forget how many he was eating a day, but that soon changed. <laughs> he overdid it, you know. He OCD'd on OCP. So anyways, I mean, just <laughs> overwhelmed himself with oatmeal cream pies. So anyways, but we had a little bit of time talking about some of those things. Talk to him about a calendar. Let me, let me just say to everybody here that's in college of any type, you gotta have a, you gotta have a calendar, whether it's electric or an old fashioned, I'm talking about just like an old fashioned calendar, like what's got squares and stuff on it. And you need to write down your assignments, write them down, write them down. Take all of your syllabi, take every syllabus and write your assignments down. You won't make it without writing them down. Amen. That's right. And then, then as I got into Bible college, uh, one of the challenges we had was uh, a gentleman quoted Lou Holtz who said, if you want to win, W-I-N, you got to do what's important now. What's important now? What's important now? And I got to thinking about that as a freshman. So I thought about, okay, what's, what's important now? And what was important now was what was coming up on Tuesday. So I did what was due on Tuesday, and then I thought, okay, what's important now? And then I thought about Wednesday, and then Thursday, and then Friday. And if you'll just keep doing what's important now, I'm telling you, it still helps me, to this very day, because I tell you what was important yesterday was getting these sermons ready, so that's what I did now. Does that make sense? What's important now? W-I-N. So anyways, uh, just some things to kind of help you get, get started here. Hey, listen to this. Be careful about who your friends are. Be careful about who your friends are. Well, that's good for everybody in this auditorium here tonight, right? Be careful about who your friends are because who your friends are is who you'll be like or, or they're trying to be like you. Be careful who your friends are. Have a good attitude. Have a good attitude. I'm telling you, if you'll just have a good attitude, it's amazing what you'll enjoy. Have a good attitude. We have character orientation coming up this week and just trying to take some time to lay the groundwork and lay, uh, you know, some, some principles down and some particulars down. We'll get into some of the nitty gritty, you know, of it and what to do, what not to do and, and all, all those things. But, but listen, there's really no way that we can prepare any student for all the particulars of what they're going to face. There's just really no way that we can get into all the specifics. I thought about this. I wonder, you know, I mean, David knew that he was going to be the next king of Israel. As he came into, as he came into the palace, as he came into the kingdom, and Saul, you know, was, was there. David, David had already been anointed. Am I right about that? David had already been anointed by Samuel, and he knew that he was going to be the next king, and yet he never did act like it, did he? 
He never did get that entitlement mentality. But I, I wondered about this. Did David have a character orientation? Did David have a series of messages that were preached to him on opening days by Samuel and others, prophets, that came in to help him get started and know what to do and what not to do? In many ways, he did not have that formally. But let me tell you something tonight. He had that on the backside of a desert, so to speak, or in a shepherd's field, in a pasture. He was prepared in many ways by God and by his family. But I just thought about it this way. Wouldn't it help if we were going to try to prepare David for what he was going to face? I mean, we have the advantage of knowing, many of, the, of knowing the particulars that David was going to face. And we could say things like this to David. David, now watch out when Saul has the javelin in his hand. And as you're playing, be ready to duck at a moment's notice. We could help him with that. We could help him with that. We could tell him things like this. Jonathan, he's going to prove to be a good friend throughout your whole life, David. You need, you need men in your life like Jonathan. We could, say like, we could say something like this to David. David, don't go down to Gath. David, don't go down to Gath. Listen, stay, stay in God's will. Don't go down to Gath, David. We could say this to David. David... Don't trust Doeg. Don't trust Doeg. Don't, don't trust him. He, he can't be trusted. David, David, don't spend much time on rooftops. Okay, let me rephrase that. David, don't spend time on rooftops. We could help David with that. We could, because we know the particulars. We, knowing the particulars, we could really help him ahead of time. And, and it would be very easy to do that. But, but imagine that we're just getting into this account here and, and you're David, you're in this situation and you're just getting started and you know you've got a rough idea what God wants you to do. You know he wants you to be king, but you have no idea that you're going to face all that you're going to face. I, uh, I appreciate my home pastor as he pulled me aside as I was just getting started in Bible college and he gave me a book by Warren Wiersbe that was pretty providential in my life. But to that point, I'd never read Warren Wiersbe. Wiersbe never had quoted, but that became certainly a part of my life. Now, had somebody tell me that they think that actually Warren Wiersbe is just kind of a code name for Angie and that she actually <laughs> writes all those quotes and stuff. So. He gave me a book by Warren Wiersme and on Joshua. And, and, but he also said this. He said, now listen, uh, you're going to need to budget. You're going to need to budget. You're going to need to, you're going you're gonna to need. And what he did, he brought, he showed me what to buy and to buy a, a, an old fashioned 13 column budget. You open that thing up and it's about as big as this pulpit. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? The old school. This is, I mean, computers were around when I went to Bible college. Some of you are wondering right now if they were or not, but they were, but it was a big old 13 column budget. And he said this to me, it helped me so much. He said, listen, just because you have that much money in your bank account doesn't mean that you actually have that much money. I said, run that by me you know, one more time. Just because you have that much money in your bank account doesn't mean you have that much money because you got bills coming up. And man, that helped me. See, he didn't know, he didn't know that I was gonna hit a curb and blow out the tire on the front on the front of the car early on. I don't remember exactly when that happened. Maybe my freshman year, my sophomore year. He didn't know I was going to do that, but he knew that I was going to have emergencies in general. He was trying to help me ahead of time. He was trying to give me some general principles that would, that would apply anywhere. 
when I meet with, uh, with couples and, and those that are here that do premarital counseling, I often tell them, look, there's no way that we can tell you on year five, you're going to face this. And then at year 10, you're going to face this. And here at year 15, you're going to face this. There's no way that we could do that. There's no way I can pull it down the screen in the office and say, okay, let's, let's, let me show you what you're going to face here. In fact, if I did, they may not marry. <laughs> right? I mean, if you knew all the particulars of what you were going to face, I mean, wouldn't it, it, maybe it would cause you to think, I don't know. <laughs> That's no reflection on her or on him. It's just, uh, man, mercy. We, we just, we don't have the advantage of knowing all the particulars. Unexpected things are going to happen. Um, Students, unexpected things are going to happen. Church family, unexpected things are going to happen in your life. New believers here tonight, there's several that have just recently been saved and maybe even just baptized. Unexpected things are going to happen in your Christian life. Things are going to happen that you're not going to understand. By the way, I heard somebody say this week, you cannot, you cannot make your theology based on circumstances. You just can't. You can't, actually, I think it was Warren Wiersbe. You can't, you can't base your theology on circumstances. You just can't. We've got to base our theology on the Word of God, regardless of our circumstances. Unexpected things are going to happen. Unexpected blessings are going to come to your life. Students, you're going to go, you're going to, go to, your, to your mail box there in the mail room, and there's going to be a bag of chocolate chip cookies inside. Mercy, that's good stuff. Maybe, maybe there's going to be a little slip because there's too many of them to put in that little box and you got to go around the, around the corner and pick them up because it's a big old box that you'll tell nobody about. Be an unexpected note, an unexpected check, an unexpected snow day and you get a break. Unexpected blessings. But isn't it true also that there are going to be many unexpected challenges. I'm looking around here and I'm seeing some of the graduates. I'm looking around here. I'm seeing some uh, of the longtime church members. I'm looking around here and I'm seeing some of those that are that first generation. And, and I know some of the trials they've been through. I know some of the things that just hit them out of nowhere. Um, there'll be some unexpected challenges. In fact, I, I thought about this. In many ways, it would be much easier to prepare David for Goliath than it was to prepare him for Saul. Because he expected Goliath to act like Goliath, an unbeliever. But for Saul to stab him in the back, for Saul to disappoint him, for Saul who is God's anointed to act like he's acting, I'm sad to tell you, there'll be preachers that will disappoint you in your life. There'll be missionaries that will disappoint you in your life. There'll be parents that will disappoint you in life. Hey, listen, this is the world that we live in. There are going to be King Saul's in your life. There's going to be difficult situations that come your way. And listen tonight, while you may not have a boss that is throwing spears your way, and I trust that won't be the case, I do know this, you have an enemy who wants to end your effectiveness before you even get a chance at it. 
How did David have a good beginning, even though Saul, so obviously, I mean, I tried to point it out along the way and underlined the, the four different verses that talked about how that he sought to use, sought to use the Philistines to bring David to an end. How, how did David have such a good beginning, even though he had an enemy that wanted to bring him down? And I want you to ask yourself that same question here tonight. And that applies to everybody that is here, whether you're starting a brand new chapter or not. Every one of us need to understand the principles that helped David here this evening. So because you've got an enemy and I've got an enemy that wants to bring us down. Saul felt threatened by David. Could we deal with that for just a moment here? Saul felt threatened by David because God was with him. And we see the entrance of David in verse number two. And I just want you to notice this real quick. Um, some of this is going to be preaching. Some of this is going to be kind of talking to you. Some of this may be a little bit of both, okay? But I think it'll be a great help to you. Look at verse number two. It says, And, day, and Saul took him that day and would, would let him go no more home to his father's house. Okay, I'm not trying to stretch Scripture. I'm, scripture. I'm, I'm, just trying to, uh, I'm just trying to make some application here along the way. To fulfill God's will in David's life, he had to be away from his home, at least for a period of time. And that wasn't easy. I think David loved his home. I think David loved his father. I think David loved his brothers for the most part. He had learned at home what God wanted him to learn at home, and now he needed to learn in the palace what he could only learn in the palace. But I want to say this to you here tonight, that what he learned at home helped him when he got to the palace. Hey, listen, some of you tonight, some of you tonight are going to get homesick. You're going to miss your mom. You're going to miss your dad. You're going to miss good home cooking. Uh, you're going to miss your home church. You're going to miss knowing everybody's name. You're going to miss your bed. but it's good for you to be here. And what you need to do right now is just make up your mind. Church, I'm going to talk to him here for just a little bit. Are you with me here tonight? You're not, you, you don't feel bad about this at all, do you? You want me to talk to, to the students here to say, listen, there's going to be some times when you, you're going to be ready to go home. But, but listen, David couldn't just come and go like he wanted to anymore. There was a higher calling in David's life at that point in time. Now, he's going to be able to go back home. He's going to be around his family again. There's no question about that. In fact, I want to encourage many of you, you need to call home. Don't, don't forget to call your mama. You call your mom. You stay connected to, to home and what's going on there. But, but listen, there was a point in time when, when David could have gotten overwhelmed just because he was away from home. And the same may be true in your life. But I'm glad that David didn't give up and go home. I'm glad he didn't escape one night. I'm glad he just stayed right there. And I want to encourage you just right here off the bat. I know you just got here, but let me encourage you. You need to be here and you got to stick it out when times get tough. Yeah. And he couldn't just come and go as he pleased. He had to sign in and sign out. Somebody gave me a mug this week that says, uh, I can do all things with a verse out of context, right? So that's, that's not what I'm trying to do here tonight. I'm just simply making some application. Hey, you, uh, you're submitting yourself. By the way, if you're a church member here tonight, uh, you've submitted yourself to the membership of this church and that has, that has responsibilities. 
that has obligations, that has, that has expectations to it. This is not the why. This is not the fitness club where you can kind of come and go like you want to come or never show again. Just show up January and then never come back again. This is not the why. This is not like that. Listen, this is the Lord's church. We, don't, we ought not treat the Lord's church like it's some kind of a club. But we ought to understand this has expectations in my life. I can't just come and go like I want to come and go. I, I need to be a man or a woman or a boy or a girl that's under authority. That's how David tried to live. Another thing I see here tonight, just making some observations on our way to the message. God gave David some godly friends. He gave him Jonathan. God's going to give you some godly friends. Those of you here at the church, isn't it true that along the years that you've been here, God's given you some godly friends. Isn't God wise to put us in a church family where we get so many friends? And we remember what we did the day before when we were with them. We don't feel guilty about it. God will give you some Jonathans while you're here. And God will give you some Benias while you're here. And God will give you some other mighty men. Uh, the, by the way, the men that started out in, in 1 Samuel 22. I'm so excited about getting to 1 Samuel 22 and following. But the men that were hiding in a cave in Adullam are not the same men that are, that are killing a lion down in a pit. In 2 Samuel 22, something happened between when they came up here and introduced themselves on their freshman year to when they graduated. They're not the same. Hey, those of you that are here that you started out in 2019, you're not the same. A lot of you have grown up. Others of you need to. Now, I can tell you that class, and like every class, there's been such a transformation. It's such a process. Don't short-circuit the process, whether it's Bible college or Sunday school or faithful church attendance. God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you way too much to leave you that way. But you've got to stay in a place where he can keep working in your life. God gave David some godly friends and he's beginning a new chapter in his life. And listen, listen to this. There's going to be great victories. There's going to be disappointments. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be sleepless nights. Listen, he's going to have some personal failures. But those personal failures did not have to define the life of David. You're going to have great victories. You're going to have disappointments. You're going to have challenges. You're going to have some sleepless nights. You're going to have some personal failures. But listen, you just keep looking to God. Let him help you through all those times. Saul had such pride. Saul had such ego. Saul had such selfishness. And when you're full of pride and when you're full of selfishness, you get jealous of others. You feel threatened by the success of others. Saul has killed his thousands, the women sang. I'll sing that verse again, he said. Hit, hit, that, hit that right there. Let's slow that down and work on it. Huh? Come on, basses and, and, and tenors and sopranos and altos. I guess it's just the women singing, so just the altos and the, and the sopranos. Come on, ladies, sing, sing that verse again. Hit that again. Saul is, they wouldn't sound like that. Saul has killed his thousands. But David is ten thousands. Wait, wait, whoa, 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 wait. Stop the song. We will not sing that in Israel. And I'll see to it. You see, when you're full of yourself, you, get, you, you can't stand it if somebody else is doing better than you are. You can't stand it. I said, if you're full of yourself, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be wonderful tonight if God would help every one of us, this preacher included, if we would just get our minds off of our stinking selves and stop caring about what people think about us. 
and just know that there's only one smile that I really need, and that's the smile of God upon my life. But when you're full of pride and you're full of selfishness, then you feel threatened by the success of others because they've got more friends than you have, more followers than you have, more likes than you have. They preach better, sing better, play better, shoot better, look better. Got more hair. (laughs) Score more, uh, jump higher, get the promotion at work, get paid more, drive a better vehicle, have a vehicle, period. Wear nicer clothes. Get a better bunk. They got the best bunk, bozos. (laughs) Go on more expensive vacations. Have better roommates. Have a better school or or, or get to play more on the team or have a nicer phone than you have or or pastors a larger church or teaches a bigger class or works a bigger bus route or leads a more active and bigger youth group and has more students than your college does. I mean, just everything we can get so, so critical of others all because we're stuck on ourselves. It's wicked. It's wicked. Saul felt threatened by David's success so much so that while David was there playing, trying to help Saul, Saul tried to nail his hide to the wall. Twice. Twice trying to eliminate David. You know, that's exactly how the Pharisees were with Jesus. They're getting all, he's getting all this attention. We better do something about it. You know, Saul felt threatened by David because the presence of God was evident in David's life, but it also exposed the fact that, Dave, that Saul did not have the presence of God in his life. If, um, if you feel threatened by somebody that is spiritual, there must be something wrong in your spiritual life. You know what will happen here in just a few Days, spiritual people will find spiritual people and rebellious people will find rebellious people. It'd be wonderful if that wasn't the case. If everybody here was just totally spiritually minded, that happens in churches, that happens at camps every year, that happens, that happens in Bible colleges, it does not matter. Spiritual people hang with spiritual people and carnal people hang with carnal people. And what happens when a spiritual person comes around and you feel threatened by them and try to avoid them? Or you do this. You try to make them look bad and make fun of spiritually minded people. Listen to that guy say amen. Look at him raising his hand. What do you want? (laughs) Look at him raising his hand. Oh, look, he got two hands up. That dude over there stood up a minute ago. See, what, what, what you do, I, I've got to move on because this is not the message message. <laughs> but what happens, see, is because of your own lack of spiritual life with God, you try to cut somebody else down so that you soothe your own conscience about your lack of a walk with God. You beware of that. 
I'm talking to every one of us, this preacher included, every one of us, because we don't need to feel threatened. Hey, if there's another church that's, that's preaching the Bible right here in Oklahoma City, and there are, thank God for those that, that are preaching the Bible here and winning souls, we as Southwest Baptist Church ought to just rejoice. And if they build an auditorium bigger than this auditorium, then so be it. Thanks be to God. Let them run more buses. Let them win more souls. Hey, because we're not in some kind of a competition here. We need to be serving the Lord. That's what I see in David's life, but it's absent in Saul's life. David gained respect because of his relationship with God and he gained the trust of the people. May I say to you here tonight that that takes years, years to grow, but it'll take a moment to lose. Saul didn't keep his word. He had said that whoever fights this giant can have my daughter in marriage. False. He didn't, he didn't give David, not, not that David went out there to get married. He went out there because God's honor was being disrespected. But you know, here's what I see. Saul didn't keep his word, but David didn't say a thing. Hey, look, people aren't going to always come through on their promises. And here's what we need to do. Just trust God to be true to his. He offered David Mirab, and, and if you'll, you'll do this, and go out and fight the Lord's battles. I mean, so many times in the text here that he said, son-in-law, be my son-in-law, be my son-in-law, be my son-in-law. Somebody said the uh, only difference between in-laws and outlaws, outlaws are wanted. <laughs> now, this account made me very thankful for my in-laws, Joe and Denise Decker. He's never thrown a javelin my way. He didn't take back his word when I asked him if I could marry Angie. I didn't have to hurt anybody to get to marry her. He, he hasn't been trying to kill me. It's been great. But, but here, hang on. Saul hoped that David's zeal for God would even work against David and lead to his death. D did you hear me? He said, and fight the Lord's battles. He knew, he knew that David was interested in the honor of God and interested in fighting the Lord's battles. He knew that here was a zealous young man and I could use his zeal even against him. Because maybe he's got a selfish streak in him as well. And maybe he actually would like to be my son-in-law and he'd like to be in the royal family. Can I caution you tonight that the enemy doesn't mind that you're involved in ministry as long as you don't do it for the right reason. He can take your zeal for God. Please listen to me here tonight. I'm trying to help somebody ahead of time. I'm trying to help all of us because we all face this. He, he'll try to take your zeal for God, even good zeal, and eventually bring something into the picture that might get more of your attention than the zeal for God. Don't allow any earthly incentive to be the reason that you're here serving God tonight. Don't let, don't let any earthly incentive be the reason why you enrolled in Bible college. Thank God while you're here, you may get married. 
Harlem Baptist Bible College is the matrimonial mansion for mission-minded men and maidens. The relationship highway has already been traveled. The loop, I mean, it's already been, it's already been traveled. I mean, it's, there it is. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. Sure. But don't be on the prowl. Don't be stalking by the loop. Just serve God. Just serve God and let him bring into your life who you're supposed to marry. Young people in the youth group, hey, look, just serve God. Don't feel like you have to figure all this out on your own. Just wait on God. Just serve God and let him bring it about. Um, don't serve in the ministry to be appreciated. Don't, don't live for, oh, man, great message. Thank you. That was awesome. Because there come days people don't say that. Don't do it to get praise. Don't do it to get an office. Man, I can't wait till I get my own office. Can't wait till I get my own office. I remember uh, 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 one of the pastors that came to visit, he was so excited about getting an office and the, and the pastor called him into his office and said, listen, here's all the space we've got. Here's the men's room, here's the women's room, and here's a closet in between that's for the janitors. You get that. Don't be in it for the office. Don't enjoy the attention of others. David heard the women singing his praises, but he didn't let it get into his head and into his heart. He wanted to fight for Israel. And I submit to you tonight that he would have fought for Israel had a, had a wife never been in the picture. David didn't feel worthy to be Saul's son-in-law. I'm seeing here, are you, are you seeing something with me here just a moment? Let me, let me make sure everybody's following along here. He's fighting for God's honor. And he's humble about it. He's humble about it. He's got a right spirit about it. He didn't feel worthy. He says, I, I'm not worthy. I, I'm not worthy to be the king's son-in-law. Listen, he did not have an entitlement mentality. Too many in America living with an entitlement mentality. Like you owe me. I ought to get this. I ought to have this. I deserve this because you ought to appreciate me because I. It's an entitlement mentality. David had already fought battles and David had already been victorious, et cetera, et cetera. But, but listen, he did not think, well, you owe that to me. Okay. <clears throat> I know tonight I'm preaching to people that have already preached. Some of you that are coming here as students, you've already preached. You've already sang specials. You've already worked a bus route. You've already led a children's ministry. You've led people to Christ. You've played the piano. You've led singing. You've done all these things. And, and thank God that you have. But I want to exhort you here tonight. Don't come here with an entitlement mentality. When are you going to let me preach? <laughs> uh, let's see. Not today. <laughs> No, you ought to have that desire to preach and preach every time you get an opportunity. You may not get to play the piano like you did back home. You may not get to work a bus route like you did back home right away. You may not get to teach a class like you did back home because you're not back home. Let me ask you this. Would you serve God even if you didn't get a position? Well, 
Mirab thing didn't work. He married her off to somebody else. But then he heard that his daughter, Michael, liked David. Well, loved him. Loved him. Saul, no doubt, thought, if I can't kill him with my javelin, and I can't kill him with the Philistine sword, I'll get him with her smile. The Bible tells us that he hoped that she would be a snare to David. Uh, to risk his life in battle, yes, but that's actually separate. If you look back at the verse again, that she would be a snare to him and that the hand of the Philistines might be against him. I wonder how Michael might be a snare to David. Well, she's got a lot of her daddy in her. It's one thing. But we'll soon see in, in 1 Samuel 19 and verse number 13 that when David tried to escape, she took an image and she hid it in the bed. Now, I don't know all that's going into that, and I don't know all that David knew. All I know is that that's the same word for idol. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't catch that. I read after a man named Bergen who caught that. And, and it may be that, that he thought she, in some way, and again, I'm not, I'm not saying David was compromising. I mean, he just, he just married her, and he married her into all kinds, of, all kinds of things, which, by the way, here's something for every young man to remember. Just because she looks good on the outside doesn't mean she's good on the inside. And he thought, Saul thought for sure that he could corrupt David through her. If I can get him on the wrong side of God, God will take care of him. You've got an enemy that wants to get you on the wrong side of God. Are you listening to me tonight? He wants to get you on the wrong side of God. He wants to get you in a place where God would chasten you, judge you, rather than bless you and use you. Many men have been brought down by ungodly women. Many godly ladies, everybody listen to this tonight, nobody, nobody checked out, right? You, you, gotta, you gotta get this. Many godly ladies have been corrupted by ungodly men. It goes both ways. I'm going to issue a caution to you that I hope goes deep down into your soul that you would recognize the hand of God in all of your ways and that you'd live for His honor no matter how that pretty girl might smile at you. Listen, if she doesn't have the smile of God on her life, you better watch out. You better watch out whenever she's smiling at you. Because you could ruin your life before it ever really begins. The enemy moves subtly to move you into a position where you're no longer right with God, where you're no longer under his authority. And he wants to, he wants to bring you down to a place where, where God has to deal with you. And how many students have, have, have succumbed to that? And how many members have come to that because of either pornography or wrong relationships? Don't let the enemy ruin you. David says, I want to I live for God. David says, I, I'm, I, I've got 
who am I? I don't deserve to be here. I'm just simply saying that, that David came to the place where he said, listen, I, I, w I don't deserve to be here. I'm, I'm poor from a poor family. I don't deserve to be here. He had the right mentality about himself. And then he also had this focus. I've got to honor God. I was reminded this week as I thought about this message and I thought about this section of the message in particular. I thought about a godly man that really is a great help to my life when I first moved here named Larry Booth who, who went to heaven about 15 years ago, but he was such a great help right here at Southwest Baptist Church. And he would stand before the college and career class and he'd say to the guys in particular when we just had the guys together, he said, listen, man, here's three areas you've got to watch out for. Women, wills, and work. And I thought, mercy, that's good, Brother Larry. Guys, men, you've got to watch out for women. You've got to watch out for wheels, your car, your truck. And you've got to watch out for work because it could take you away from God. And the same is true in the lady's life. You've got to watch out for men. There's an enemy that wants to bring you down before you ever get started. Well, David said, I, I don't deserve that. Saul said, look, don't worry about the bride price. Don't worry about the dowry. Just, just kill a hundred Philistines. And so David killed two hundred. And he was able to marry Michael. But you know, I saw in the last part of the verses, verse 28 through 30, here's what happened. David just kept fighting for God's honor. He did not allow a new chapter in his life to cause him to put it into neutral and just start coasting. There's married students here tonight. Can I, let me encourage all the married students here. After you get married, keep dating your spouse. For clarity, that was not the right place for a pause. <laughs> Keep dating your spouse. Angie and I have date nights and we, we're behind, I think, too. <laughs> and we're going to catch up on that. But you, you got you to gotta stay at date nights. Don't say, well, we're married now. I don't have to work at that. Keep working at it. You get married. Keep coming to Sunday school. Don't get married and stop coming to Sunday school. Why are you saying that? Because some young Mary stopped coming to Sunday school. It's so hard to get up in the morning. Yeah. It was that way when you were single too. Let me say this, after you get a position, maybe you are blessed to be a pastor. Maybe you are to be a Sunday school teacher. Maybe you are to get blessed to be a captain. Hey, listen, don't ever get to a place where you're too good to do anything. You see trash that needs to be taken out, then do it. You see paper on the ground that needs to be picked up, then pick it up. Keep stacking chairs. Don't you know there's a chair stacking crown in heaven? Hey, keep coming to visitation. I think, well, I'm above that. I, no, 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 none of us are above that. I've just tried tonight to get across this basic truth. David had a good beginning. He had the best beginning. He had a good start, even though Saul sought to bring his life to a premature end. Basically because of this, he humbly lived for God's honor rather than his own. 
And those of you that are new students here tonight, I trust this has been a help to you. And those of you that are returning, those of you that are church members, and those of you that are just maybe newly married, or those of you that are just newly saved, or those of you that just got a Sunday school class, or those of you that just started working on a route, or those of you that just started getting serious about your spiritual life, here's what you need to do. You need to recognize you've got an enemy that wants to bring you down. And so you just humbly go about to do everything to God's honor and not your own. And you'll have the right kind of a start. Let's stand together as we pray. I realize tonight we've covered a lot of territory. Even in the course of preaching this, I thought, you know, we could have made a whole nother sermon right there. And I've tried to pray about that ahead of time and to think about it. But I I trust that this was the passage and this was the message that God wanted you to hear right now. That every one of us would get humble and say, God, there's an enemy that's trying to take me out of this. But I know that, Lord, and in fact, what we're going to see is as, as much effort as Saul put into taking David out of it, God was greater still. And so tonight... The invitation would be and the exhortation would be just humbly set your sights on saying, I'm going to, by God's grace, honor God with my life. Father, help us tonight. Thank you for the example of David. That even with the wiles, the subtle ways of Saul working behind the scenes, manipulating, trying to bring him down that he humbled himself, he stayed humble, and, and he was focused on your honor, not his own pleasure, and not his own honor. And so help us humble ourselves here tonight, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're singing page 551 tonight, page 551, trust and obey. God spoke to your heart, would you come as we begin to sing, Brother Aaron's gonna lead us.